Hey, it's Greg Milby, community storyteller for Kentucky's Heartland. I am honored to have you join us for the Kentucky's Heartland podcast, a podcast designed to highlight and share stories of the people, places, and events shaping Kentucky's Heartland. If you're new with us, there are many ways to enjoy this feature. Anchor.fm, Apple Podcast, Google Play, and Spotify are just a few of the ways to listen. You can watch the video of this podcast at Kentucky'sHeartland.com and on our YouTube channel. Our podcast is brought to you in part by Bluegrass Cellular, your community expanded. Visit BluegrassCellular.com. This is episode four of the podcast. I sat down with one of the three owners of Flywheel Brewing, Aaron Hawkins, shares a lot about the Flywheel story. Where did the name come from? How they get the ideas for the different brews and their names and how the first brewery in Hardin County since Prohibition happened. I hope you enjoy Episode 4 of the Kentucky's Heartland Podcast. Hey, it is Greg Milby, Kentucky's Heartland at Kentucky'sHeartland.com, sharing the stories of the people and events powering the Heartland. And today, I am super excited to have with me Flywheel Brewing Company in Elizabethtown. And we've got with me uh, Aaron Hawkins, who is one of the owners. Also, uh, Josh Durham is an owner and Ashley Willoughby. But they decided they were too cool to hang out with us today, but that's okay. Yeah, that's the, all right. The good ones here. You're so. the face anyway, that's right? right? Uh, the pretty face. Since uh, since yeah. they'll be yeah. watching this or hearing this later, there's nothing they can <laughs> say to us about that. No. All right, so Flywheel Brewing, 216 South Mul- Mulberry. 218. 218. Sorry. 218 South Mulberry, E-Town. Uh, I just want to start out and ask you this. How did this crazy dream of starting a craft beer brewery in Elizabethtown happen? It, it's good to have dreams. I have dreams. Aaron, I have quite a few dreams. But having the first brewery in this county since Prohibition, how in the world did you guys come up with this? I guess the first thing I could say is scary. <laughs> uh, no, it, you know, like, like a lot of small breweries start out, starts out with a group of people. Um, usually they homebrew together. Um, we homebrewed the three of us together for a year or so. Um, we had previously homebrewed before that. Um, we'd been doing it for a while, and, and um, one day, like most people, we had had a few too many beers while you're we homebrewing, and, and we got the idea and said, you know what, E-Town could use a brewery. And so um, once we sobered up a little bit, we thought, eh, maybe not. And then we started talking some more and said, you know what, this has some, you know, this has some legitimacy. Maybe we should look into this. So we actually looked at different communities. We looked at Bargetown. We looked at Owensboro. We looked at some similar communities the size of E-Town. We knew we didn't want to go into Louisville. Uh, we thought that might be saturated, but, you know, with a brewery, it seems like a brewery open every month up there, maybe not. But um, we didn't want to go to Lexington. Um, some of that was both saturation and also because of where we were. Um, two of us had full-time jobs, so um, we knew we couldn't really travel too far away, so we looked at kind of the regional area, and everything always kept coming back to E-Town, you know, right off the interstate so that that's right there that's a main plus um there's not one within 45 miles of e-town you know from from e-town the closest one you have north is louisville closest one you have south is bowling green closest one uh, east is danville closest one west is hopkinsville slash paducah so you know there's a large donut hole in the middle of this state yeah. which central kentucky is you know one of the most populated areas in the state so, so did they go into one of the into your original idea of going well there's really nothing around here i think we can make that you know and, and it also had to play with the fact that e-town and downtown e-town was really starting to boom um, when we still haven't seen kind of the 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 final result of this little little boom that we're seeing in downtown e-town e-town but you know it's still just now starting to go but um 
we looked at what was happening um, with the wet vote that, that succeeded. I don't know how many years it's been now, maybe eight years or so. But with the wet vote that succeeded, um, with the number of businesses that were opening up downtown that were successful, um, you know, when, when BBT opened up, that pretty much told us that, you know what, a bar can work in town. You know, we're just a bar. Obviously, we're a little different because we brew our own beer. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a tourism um, component to it. It's more of a craft to it. But um, the end result is the, the, the part that the, that the um, patron sees is it's a bar. And so that showed us that, you know, it can work. And we knew the other stuff that was in, in the process. We knew Impelazeri's was coming in. Um, so, you know, it, it, it really showed us that, that this idea has some merit and has some legs. So um, once, we, once we decided um, to really look into this, we started looking at different properties. Um, the zoning requires us to be downtown. That's something the city wanted to do to encourage development and mm-hmm. revitalization of downtown. So... Um, the zoning forced us, so we knew we had to look downtown. Um, but before we could do anything, we had to make the numbers work. And we looked at a lot of numbers. Um, we looked at our pro forma. I can't tell you how many times I looked at the pro forma. Lost sleep overnight, you know, every night from you know numbers running through my head. Is this going to work? Can we make this work? We got to we got to sell this many these many beers a day to make this work. Um, eventually, we just we sat down and said, you know what? If we're going to do it, let's just do it. We can look at numbers all day, but at some point we have to make the decision, are we serious or not? So we said, yep, we're going to do it. So was it easier or more difficult than what you thought originally? To open up or to to actually get going? Yes and yes. Up? Yes and yes, yeah. To open up, uh, actually the the build out, I mean, you know, we, we try to do as much of that ourselves and we're... I'm not much of a construction person. I've learned a lot throughout this period. I'm probably way more uh, better off in that so area than I am now. So you're saying we shouldn't spend a lot no, of time don't, on don't, the stools? No, don't, don't hire me no, <laughs> I don't, to do anything. But um, Josh and Ashley are pretty good. Josh is, um, Josh is very, very, very um, creative when it comes to, um, to fabricating and building stuff. In fact, um, we like to call our, our little brewery a Franken-brewery. So um, hmm. none of it is basically shiny new stainless steel. Uh, for the most part, especially in the brew house, we basically took tanks that were purposed for something else, repurposed them and created bring tanks out of them. Hmm. Um, and Josh did a lot of that. Josh built the control panel that controls all the elements in the equipment. Josh built the keg washer from scratch. Basically, he looks on YouTube, finds a finds a way how to do it, and then builds it. That's, so you, that, so that, you that, literally that, build a brew house off of YouTube? Yeah. Uh, Close. That, actually, there, there's a website. It's a great story. There, there's a website, and I'm going to get the name wrong. It's electricbrewery.com or buildingelectricbrewery.com. So mm-hmm. basically, it's a way they give you some general directions on how to build an electric brewery. He looked at that website, and he built an electric brewery. Now, me and Ashley, we were along for the ride. You know, we helped out. We were moral support. So and- when you guys sat down and, and you were talking about this idea, Josh kept saying, well, I can build that. I can build that. I can, we can make that happen. Or did you have out of necessity seeing the expense that was starting to build on opening up a, a, a I mean, a it, 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 it was both, but when he says, no, I can do that, it's like, okay, the numbers start looking a lot better. Yeah. So as, as we start cutting corners and saying, you know, we're going to do this ourselves, um, we don't have to hire somebody and, and spend that, that premium to have somebody either fabricate it for us or buy it off the shelf, so to speak. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that was invaluable to us, the ability to do that ourselves. 
So how did you learn to brew beer? I mean, is it just you guys hanging out? Uh, like I said, home brewing. Uh, I mean, anybody can go to a to a bookstore and, and buy a book, or go on Amazon and buy a book. How to how to home brew? Um, but there know, are a lot it, of it, different varieties. A lot of different varieties, but you know, for the most part, it, beer is basically four four ingredients. And my shirt says it all. It's, it's water, uh, malted barley, you know, grain of some type. Mm-hmm. Um, hops and yeast. That's the four main ingredients in beer. Anything else you want to put to it, you can flavor it with stuff, with adjunct, so forth. But typically, it's just those four main ingredients. You know, in in Germany, they have a, a purity law, and, and it's not as um, required as it is as it used to be. But it was the. It's, I'm going to say the name wrong for all you people who speak German. I'm sorry, but it's the Reinheitsgebot, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's the German purity law for beer, and basically, it says that you can only use those four main ingredients in beer. They can't use anything else. They can only use that. So that's really? why you see usually – now, there's a lot of crap beer popping up in, in Germany now, and there's people that are going away from that. But that for centuries, that was the that was the basically how you can make beer. So, so how many years did it uh, take you guys to really kind of perfect, or I, I'm sure you're still practicing? We are still perfecting but, to this uh, day. But, I mean, me and Josh were talking about it the other day that, you know, he's – and that is one of the negatives of – how we've done the brew house is um, it takes a lot more ma- a lot more manual stuff on his end to brew the beer. So um, if we bought a brand new system from a, a producer of brewing equipment, um, a lot of that you don't have to do a lot of the stuff that he has to do by hand or or manually, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it kind of gives more it of a its challenge. own little uh, but, 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 its own little niche, its little feel. Yeah, and and I like to say that it makes you a better brewer. So. Um, you know, one day when we can't afford the the shiny new stuff off the off the shelf, then he's going to know that much more about the process. So cool. Um, do you ever do you do tours or any, have you ever done a tour of the brew house? It, it's it's a really quick tour. Um, <laughs> it's, it's it's not a, it's not a big place, but no. Any anytime somebody's there that says, "Hey, can I go down and look at that?" and "Can you tell me about it?" I mean, as long as we're not slammed, just, yeah, come on down. Hmm. Bring bring your beer down. We'll talk about it. I'll show you the process. Yeah. We'll show you how it works. Step by step by step, and how it goes, and people get a kick out of that. I mean, it's you know, obviously you can go to some large large scale places, um, you know, uh, Ryan Geis in Cincinnati, West Six in in Lexington, uh, Country Boy in Lexington, against the grain a little. You go to some of the larger places, and I mean, it's it's legitimate brewing operation, large tanks, um, tank after tank after tank after tank, and you know, we're we're very small. We're we cap out at five barrels, which is about give or take 150, 170 gallons. So. Hmm. Um, yeah, so but you're making it work in the little Elizabeth town, Kentucky. So, where did the name Flywheel come from? I mean, it's 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 a different name. It, it is, and and believe it or not, every other name we came up with was taken. So, oh right, really? Yeah, right, so right now, Flywheel was the fly, leftover. Flywheel, no, no, I, 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 poor Flywheel. I don't, I don't give it service. Okay, but, uh, no. Th- right now, there's over seven thousand breweries in the United States, which is the most there's ever been. Um, so. As you can imagine, a lot of the a lot of the names have been taken. So we sat down, you know, early in the process, drinking beer, of course, and we started saying brainstorming, you know, coming up with names. And after m- multiple failed attempts, um, Josh, his wife is Chinese, and so when they got married, uh, they moved over to Beijing to be close to her family for a while. So before he left, he was a school teacher. He was in Bullet County. He was a teacher at uh, Bullet Central High School. And um, he knew he didn't want to teach anymore when he went to China. So he, he tried to figure out something he wanted to do. And like I said, he's very creative. He's, 
He's very uh, likes to do things um, crafty, and so to speak. So he got the idea to buy a turn of the century um, letterpress from a printing company in Boston. So he bought the he bought the letterpress, shipped it to Beijing, and then opened up a print shop in Beijing, um, doing um, invitations and and business cards and you know craft things that you can't just order online. I mean, this is mm-hmm. stuff that you. Nobody has this skill anymore. So he ran a business for, I, th- I think they were there four years. And when they decided to move back, he sold the business, sold the equipment to somebody, and then moved back. Well, he found one in North Carolina. He bought that one in North Carolina. And as we were coming up with the names, he goes, you know, I got an old flywheel in the garage. And we started thinking about it, and you know, like, flywheel, flywheel brewing. It's like that kind of has a ring to it. It's kind of neat. And, you know, a flywheel was used to help power the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, there's this new revolution of craft beer going on right now. And we thought, you know, flywheel powering the, the craft beer revolution. Why not? You know, it, it all rings. It works. Mm-hmm. And, and then we had the idea of, you know, let's put the, let's put the uh, print press in the tap room. So it's kind of a mascot, kind of a neat thing. People don't see that very often. And we, we put it in there. It's actually a functional... Um, functional letterpress he doesn't have the time to do stuff on it like he would like um, he's done a few things we've done we did our initial business cards on it uh, we did some new year's eve tickets on it but it's just um, yeah so that's where the name came from that's pretty that's a pretty cool story i'm glad i asked that it's <laughs> very unique so speaking of unique what do you think makes flywheel unique because you're saying there are seven thousand craft seven thousand, and you know you can go from you can go from city to city and try, and for the most part, you can only make an IPA so many different ways. You can only make a stout. I mean, you can add crazy ingredients and try to get some flavor that, that nobody's came up with before, or nobody's done before. But um, to me, really, the the way you differentiate yourself from brewery is is the service people get and. Um, and also the the atmosphere you provide, and also if you do events, some people they just want to be a brewery and just sell beer and that's it. But some people, some places want to do events. So the quality of the event that you provide. Um, so to me, that's how you different, differentiate yourself from other places. Um, unfortunately, craft beer does have a connotation that it's snooty and you know oh i drink craft beer i don't drink the light stuff which um, we try not to take that approach we have people come in the tap room all the time and say you know i don't drink craft beer i I drink bud light do you have that on tap and we say we don't sell bud light we just sell what we make and then a few select choices from around the region let me let me let you try this this is something that we kind of brewed that's we think it's comparable we let them taste it and then Mm -hmm. they say you know i like that and then Next thing we know, they're regular and they're coming in all the time, getting that beer, and then they're expanding their horizons and trying different stuff. So we're kind of like, you know, we have a beer that's the gateway, the gateway into, into craft. The, the gateway. So I don't want to say gateway because that makes it sound. You can, you can, it's not a gateway drug it. or anything. But um, now speaking, to, let, let, let's talk a little bit about. Um, I don't want to say gateway. That that. that doesn't connect it. It's, it's a bad segue now. This is a horrible, yeah, this is a, yeah. horrible I, I segue. That. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, I'm ruining. I'm really butchering this deal. <laughs> you know, when when we became a wet county, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a lot of opposition early on. Mm-hmm. Do you see a lot of folks uh, uh, coming to you about that? Do you, do you hear a lot about that, or or not? You know, we don't. And I mentioned a lot of sleepless nights at the beginning of this, and that was really. 
one of the concerns we had going into this was um, would we get a lot of kickback from different organizations? Would we get a lot of kickback from um, religious people um, who have an opposition to alcohol? Would we get a lot of kickback from, um, you know, the the Carrollton bus crashes, mm-hmm. even though it was at this point, what, 30 years ago? Mm-hmm. It's still very fresh in people's exactly. minds in this community. Yes. So, you know, would the people in this community be receptive to something like this? And that was, it was, you know, it was a legitimate concern. But we haven't had... Um, we haven't had one person come in and, and or one group try to try to you know give us some some pushback or anything um, because I mean that I think that really comes from the atmosphere and the and the culture that we're trying to create you know I think on our bio on Facebook we put that um, we're trying to to create a responsible beer culture in E-Town. and I think um, and I was going to say that and I was going to defend you with that that you guys do have a, a very very nice culture there. And and you guys watch what's going on, and it's a craft. It's a craft beer. Yeah. It's designed to uh, enjoy it. Yeah. As for for what it's worth, the flavors it, and you know, and it, and it really, it's weird to say it is a family atmosphere there. Yeah, and, and we encourage people to bring kids in all the time. Everybody's like, yeah, can I bring a kid into a bar? And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, it's not yes, really we're a bar, bar but because it's not. we don't sell food. But it's not a bar. I mean, it's a the state has has said that we're a tourist uh, tourist destination. Um, breweries are. Uh, in and of themselves, uh, tourist tour spots. Um, so it's a it's a tourism sector of the economy of the state of Kentucky. So, mm-hmm. um, so no, we tell kid people to bring their kids in all the time. We say we have board games, we have cornhole on the patio, we have giant Jenga, um, we even have a Super Nintendo on one of the TVs. So it's like bring your kids in, you know, hang out, let them play. We don't if your kid runs around and and plays Jenga. We're not going to yell at you. We don't care. Uh, I mean, now that, obviously, if it's a Friday night or Saturday night, eh, yeah. you, you might not want to bring your kid out really late. But but it, it, but it's a different atmosphere that 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 I think shows people that you're you're a very inviting and, and you know what kind of culture yeah. you've got there. Yeah. So uh, you do have different types of events there for people. It's not just hey, come in and have a craft beer. Uh, talk about a few of those. You've got trivia nights, poetry night. I know you do a lot of music. You've done beer yoga. Uh-huh. Uh, you've had painting nights and uh, even your TED Talk style series that you're you're kind of whirling with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, basically it shows that we're not a, we're not afraid to try anything. I mean, if somebody comes up to us and says, "Hey, I got an idea for an event," usually people would be like, "You know, no, we got this. We'll take care of it. Sh- shoot it to me. I don't care mm-hmm. if I think it'll work. We'll try it. Even if it doesn't work, you know, it's not a big deal." That's that's the thing with what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a culture. Around here, that you know, we're trying to offer things that you don't typically get in this area. Um, some of the things that we try to offer, you got to go to a bigger city to get. So we're trying to trying to help build something, and we know we're going to fail sometimes. You know, every event we do doesn't isn't successful. Sometimes we only get a few people show up, but that's okay because um, I'm not. We're not afraid to fail at something. That's how we. That's why we open this place. Mm-hmm. If we were afraid to fail, we wouldn't have. We would never have done it. Because there was always a risk of failing. I mean, it, you know, nothing was guaranteed. If it was guaranteed, somebody would have done it before us. So, have so. you ever um, made a beer and tasted it and said, "Oh, that was never oh, yeah. going to go on a tap"? Oh yeah. How often does that happen? Not very often. Like I was. That that's when speaking. Would you like a beer? I've got. Oh yeah. This is. Uh, wow! Look at that. And then that. We'll have a little uh, little taste there. And what is this? This is decapitated monkey. Which before before our before you 
get upset about the name. Uh-huh. There were no monkeys involved in this, and and actually, it's it's not even M O N K E Y. It's M O N K dash Y for a monk. So if you want a little history behind the name of this, um, this beer was one of the very first ones that we. This was actually the very first beer that we brewed. Um, we did some test batches. We came up on this one and said, you know what, this one's going to be an easy drinking beer. It's going to be something that people really want to, um, you know, even if you don't like a lot of different styles of beer, you can drink this. Anybody who drinks beer can drink this beer and enjoy it. What if you're not a beer drinker? Is this one of these? I don't want to say the gateway because we've already No, if you're not a beer drinker, you're Mm -hmm. still probably not going to like this. If you're a wine drinker, now we do carry something. We don't make it, but it has been far and away the most popular drink beers for people who don't drink beer and that's called bubbles it's made from rheingeist or cidergeist out of cincinnati mm-hmm. it's a rosé ale it's made with peaches and apples um, i've had that before and, and it's my, actually pink my friends and, it's actually fun of me. pink in color but i mean it's, right. it's a fantastic drink i'll drink it i don't right. care did you but, hear that damon barnes see, it's not bad damon i promise you doesn't baron will you know. drink it i'll drink it <laughs> but no that that's what we get people and say you know what try this i guarantee you if you like wine you'll like this beer and they always say oh that's good yeah, it's good. I mean, it's, you know. So beer. is that one of the first ones that you produced? This one is. Now, okay. that one, yeah, we don't make that one. But this one, okay. so um, the Decapitated Monkey. So basically, um, the original name for this beer was going to be Felonious Monkey, for, based off the, you know, the jazz musician Thelonious mm-hmm. Monk. Uh, monkey because it's a, it's a cream ale, and we use a Belgian yeast strain on it. So typically when you do a cream ale you don't you use a, like a california yeast or something which is basically just a very generic yeast that's going to um, not impart a lot of a lot of character a lot of flavor um but we put a belgian yeast strain which um, gives you some banana esters and some little bit of clove um, flavor to it but um so when we the felonious monkey it was going to be uh, yeah, cheers that's a first First, first beer on this podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. first, first video uh, beer on a video cast and podcast right here. There we go. There you go. But uh, no, it, it was going to be, um, yeah. So the monkey was going to be because Belgian, you know, Belgian monks. It's kind of like a mm-hmm. kind of a typical thing, and then um, monkey with the Y because kind of has that banana flavor. So you know, monkeys, bananas, so forth. Well, when we first brewed it, we didn't brew it exactly like we anticipated, and didn't retain a head so you know beer is supposed to retain the head and as you drink it the head goes down and, and laces the glass and what that means is you get those nice um, foam lines as the beer goes down mm-hmm. it didn't do that so we said this is a headless beer so we said well let's call it decapitated monkey just jokingly and uh, we did that the very first one anticipating the next time we did it we were going to do it right and it was going to have the head retention and do everything people flipped over the name when we first opened and we we can't change it now. We can't change it. Can't change it. It is what it is. And this beer is by far our greatest seller. We didn't anticipate that at all. Huh. This is probably two to one to, to the next closest thing. You could wow. put you could take all our IPAs combined and this is about the same volume as all the IPAs combined. So what do you spend more time doing? Working on what flavor you're gonna have or what name it's gonna have? It's hard to come up with the name. Because, I mean, that's important. Because when you look at the menu, you're looking at the name. And to be honest, I think the name sells this half the time. We had people, like, you know, we've been doing a lot of festivals lately because summer is the the beer festival season. And at the Kentucky Craft Beer Festival, which was down at the the new location at 100 Haycraft Street two weekends ago, we had somebody come up and say, I have no idea what it is, but i got to try Decapitated Monkey because I like the name. 
And they, I mean, they liked the mm -hmm. beer, but it was like the name is what sold them. So um, right now we're distributing, and we started with distribution to some accounts with our wheat, but we're going to transition to this um, just because it, I think the beer itself will sell really well in distribution, but also the name will sell itself. So, yeah. um, I, I'm very impressed by that. Now, you have all kinds of flavors. Now, mm -hmm. the time that we are recording this, uh, you had one keg of a beer that was, um, I, I guess, hidden or lost in a cave. Yeah, uh, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know festival. what happened to it. I got misplaced somewhere. And our office was very excited about it. Yeah, so was I. Uh, and and I, I just think it's very interesting what it's made of. So explain. Yeah. So I, I mentioned the wheat that we distribute, and um, it's just a it's a classic Hefeweizen style wheat. Um, um, you know, nothing, nothing super different from, um, you know, general Hefeweizen style. But um, Kenny, Kenny and, and Joe, the organizers, organizers of the Craft Beer Festival, said, you know, you're you're the premium, you're the uh, the head beer sponsor. You can have eight kegs. And at that point, we didn't. I didn't realize that, and we didn't have eight kegs set aside. We only had six. And I told him, I said, well, we can do six kegs. We don't have eight. And then I started thinking. I was like, you know what? Hold that thought. Let me see if we we can come up with something completely random and um, we'll get you those those two extra kegs so so I, we had the idea that um or i'm not going to take all the credit but I, I i had the crazy idea <laughs> hey they're like, not here go ahead they're and not take here it. i'm going to take all the credit so <laughs> no you know let's let's take some beers that we have pull a keg off do a one-off and add some extra ingredients so what we came up with was we took the wheat and we aged it for a week over serrano peppers and lime peel um, fresh lime peel, um, shaved the lime peel, put it in the keg, um, took all the seeds out of the serrano pepper because I didn't want to add too much spice to it. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want it to be undrinkable, and the seeds is where you get a lot of the capsaicin. So I just wanted the flavor of the pepper. So we just took the seeds out, pitted it, and put the put the pepper in the beer. So we aged it and um, called it It's Hot in the Limelight. Um, Took a, took there, there's the name again. It took me a long time to come up with that name. Joe said, "I need a name." I was like, "Dude, I'm trying." So I'm going with it. Takes you longer to come up with a name. It does. Than it does. It does a beer because you got to be creative. I mean, you, you know, yeah. you, you, you can't lack in the, in the name department. It, it's all in the name. So, yeah. what is your favorite name of all time? Of a beer, or of, of a beer a that beer, we made, a beer that you've made. We don't want to give anybody else credit. This is your this is your highlight. You know, I, we did a barley wine not too long ago, uh, which is a very high-gravity beer, which means it's high alcohol. So it was 10.5%, um, which for a beer, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty stout beer. Um, so we did a barley wine, and the assistant brewer and a bartender, Landon, came up with the idea. I'm, I'm pretty sure he came up with the name. He called it uh, Big Trouble in Little E-Town. And I was like, yes, that go. is perfect. I like so that. So that's guys, my favorite name so far that we've done. So you don't have to come up with the names. You've got other no, folks that can it, it's amazing. You know, we got we got people, customers coming in and saying, name it this, name it this. And, you know, sometimes it's like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. And sometimes, like, you know what, that's that, that's clever. I think it's very clever of you guys in your trivia contest. Yeah. Speaking of naming a that beer. That allowed the yeah. champions of the yeah. trivia league to name a beer. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, trivia is nothing new. Um, you really can only... You can't make trivia different from place to place than, you know, 
than it really is. I mean, it's, right. it's it's asking a series of questions and answering. I mean, how much different can you make trivia? So we brainstormed and said, what are we going to do with trivia to, to differentiate ourselves and make us the you know the premier place that people want to come play trivia? Um, there's only one thing that we can do that nobody else can do, and we said, name a beer. Everybody else has to buy beer. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's that's what the name is. So. Um, we give you the opportunity, you know, and, and we've done it different. We've transitioned to a new, um, uh, a new style of trivia. But um, the the initial thing was an eight week season, and then you know you you compete with other teams over the course of that eight weeks, and then the eventual champion gets the name of the beer. Which now we're doing. Zach, who's our entertainment guru. He, uh, he's, he's a big wrestling fan, so he came wow, up with the that's idea. A, that's probably the best title Zach has ever had in his uh, life. It's going to go to his head big time, too. So. <laughs> it's not but, a shock uh, either. No. But, yeah. uh, no, he came up with the idea of, of let's peg it to wrestling, which I said, I'll give you one season. And if it works, congratulations. Otherwise, we're going back because I don't, I don't watch wrestling. But um, it's interesting. We got a big championship belt. We had a custom-made belt that people get to walk around mm-hmm. with and pose with, which is, you know, it's really cool. But uh, basically, you have to win the belt and then defend it for four weeks. And if you do that, you name a beer. So now the season never ends. There's no dead period. But, you know, if you want to take a break, you can take a break, come back, pick up, win the belt, defend it, and then you win. So, huh. that I, I think that's, that is crazy. So. I, I think it's a great idea. So, um is it true that you you brew a beer with bacon juices? We haven't done it commercially yet. So uh, there is some truth that there is some, there's yeah, bacon so, in so, beer. So me and Ashley, before Josh moved back from China, me and Ashley were brewing together for several years. And I don't don't ask me how we came up with this. We were just talking one day and one ingredient came up and so we started adding ingredient after ingredient after ingredient. And uh, we came up with what we called, ah, shoot, it's been so long, um, the smoky pig. And so what we did was we did a smoked porter with um, um, bourbon, maple syrup, and bacon. And so we actually we actually made a tincture with the bourbon. So we, we took bacon and put it in the ba- in the in the bourbon for two weeks, um, let that infuse and make a tincture out of that. And then we froze the bourbon, skimmed off all the fat, and then um, we brewed the smoke porter. Nothing special about that. Um, and then um, after it fermented, we added the bourbon for flavoring, and then we primed it um, with maple syrup. So um, all these different flavors, tons of different just complex flavors that are coming together. And it was one of the best beers that we did on a homebrew scale. Huh. So un- unfortunately, I think to do that, on a scale, on a larger scale, to sell to sell commercially might be too expensive. We might have to charge twelve dollars a glass, but mm. um, we might we might try it out. Has there anything? Is there anything that you've dreamed of using that you've not used yet? Hmm. I mean, because it sounds like you guys have used a lot of different things. I mean, you haven't used a kitchen sink yet. No, but. we've we've done everything but that. Yeah. No, one thing that I wanted to really get into was do wine barrels. Like everybody does bourbon barrels, but I mean, wine barrels is kind of like a newer thing. There's there's a lot of breweries that do it, but um, one thing that I really wanted to try out and 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 do was uh, age something in a red wine barrel. Um, we were given a barrel from Jester's Winery up in down in Lebanon mm-hmm. and um, and we've we've done one beer a wheat um, in, in the red wine barrel, and now we've got a Flemish um, Flemish ale, which is a sour ale. Um, 
we're aging that in the red wine barrel as we speak. So, so we'll how long how does it, it take to, to to make a beer? Does it is it? I guess you know because I'm again I'm a beer novice here. Sure. Uh, I mean, can you turn them? Can you turn it pretty quick or? Or, you know, or does it all, take a lot longer? All things considered, when you're thinking of alcohol, people think of bourbon in this state. You know, you're thinking eight years, four to, four to eight years. It's like, oh, it takes forever to do. From grain to glass, you can probably do it in as little as, I don't know, two and a half weeks. Hmm. Uh, we, we take a little longer just because we, we try to let it um, uh, attenuate fully and sit longer. And then um, usually some of the times we're just waiting for space to open up before we can keg it because... Our cooler, I'll never admit this to Josh, but our cooler is too small. So, um, so that, sa- we, that we, sounds like a heated topic. We, 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 had, we, we had a lot of, lot of um, disagreements disagreements when it came to the build-out portion of this. So some of us won, some of us lost, and we traded um, opportunities when we won and lost. But um, we do need more cooler space, and we're looking to expand and get another cooler so we can, so we can do a cooperage in there and then only have in our cooler in the tap room what we need to put on tap. Uh, right now we've got some kegs three stacked high that just we need more space so so with that you mentioned you know there are three owners Mm -hmm. and you guys all came up with this idea together it's not like one person had the idea and you brought two other people in um how 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 does that work how does the uh the line work does everybody have their own specific thing they work on in the brewing company or do you guys all just uh rule by committee I mean, we, we nobody really tries to make any large decision without, you know, talking to each other first. I mean, we're not going to go and, and spend $10,000 on a piece of equipment by ourselves without telling anybody. And we try to, you know, respect each other and and make sure we're, we're running things how we saw fit in the, in the initial vision. But um, during the, during, during the uh, initial phase, we knew we couldn't all be – each different phase you know we all couldn't play brewer we all couldn't play um numbers guy we all couldn't play front house management person so um like i said ashley and myself both have full-time jobs so by that virtue we're not able to be there as much um, this is josh's full-time job so he became the head brewer um, we all brewed but um he said you know what i'm going to be here so i'll i'll be the brewer and then we brought uh, one of the bartenders on showed some interest and he basically became the assistant brewer. So, hmm. and he, he's doing well, you know, Landon, we're training him. Um, so Josh doesn't want to do this forever. He wants to, uh, to, to just be an owner and he don't want to, to, to brew as much. So, uh, maybe one day Landon will take that over. So, yeah. So the flywheel story is an amazing story. Everything from the name to, to how you come up with the names of the beer and, and, and all the different, varieties you have it really is if people haven't been down there yet i I do encourage them to come down because it is a it is a very unique place to go you can throw darts you can play cornhole and you've had i've seen uh, paintings down there Mm -hmm. i've heard poetry being read down there Mm -hmm. um matter of fact i actually had a chance to MC part of a podcast where we had one of the uh, unique running Icons in our area, yeah. Lazarus Lake, yeah. to come in. Yeah, Laz actually came in. Yeah, and I was like, that's, is, that's too cool. Yeah, that that, that was a pretty cool. Most people don't know that. who that is, but if you do know who it is, it's he's a big deal. Yeah, you're geeking out about that if yeah. you if you know if you're into trail running. So, what do you, where do you as we wrap this up? Where do you see Flywheel in five years and in ten years? What 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 do you see? What are your dreams for that? 
You know, we basically, we had a five-year plan going into this. Uh, first year was just to make it. Make it, you know, we thought if we can make it a year, then we can just, then we can look at two years down the road and say, in year three, we want to be here. And then in, by year five, we want to be here. The support we've got from this community has far exceeded what we anticipated. I mean, it's been amazing, the the support and, um you know, the continued support. It's not just somebody coming in once and saying, ah, I've been there, I'm not going back. You know, they, they come back and they, they, every different event we have, they come or they just come to hang out. So that's been great. But um, we've done better in our, we're a year and a half in and we're, we've done far better than we anticipated. So um, initially we looked at starting to look to doing some small expansion around year three and then in year five, maybe get into some canning. Um, of course, the market's going to dictate, you know, the crappier market might not be like that in, by year five, but we're already having to look at expand, expanding just to keep up with, with what the uh, demand is. So um, we can't thank this community enough for being receptive to us and taking three goofy guys with an idea and say, you know, we want to create something unique and different for this area and, and you know, making us a part of them. So, Well, that you guys have done. You have made a unique product. And you brought a unique tourist destination to our community. And uh, I wish you guys uh, the most success. I think there needs to be a beer named after me because I, you know, I begged for a grilled cheese. You and, did get and a Jeremy grilled Adams, cheese. And I did have a grilled cheese. And by the way, it was one of the top sellers at the Craft Beer Festival. That's what I'm I just heard. Saying. That's what I heard. I've had a coffee named after me. Uh, I can't get streets or anything else named after me. But if I can stick with... Uh, uh, items of food and beverage, uh, maybe that will be you my You know, niche. I think that's better than a street anyways. Right. Yeah, I, it gives much, joy, much more joy. Yeah, yeah. That's a, now, there's a Milby Street, but I think there are only two people that live on it. So that's okay. I don't have a lot to, to claim to that. And yeah. I've, I've begged for a urinal at the sports park for years, <laughs> and I can't even get that. But um, it is awesome what you guys are doing. If people want to uh, visit you guys, they can go to uh, flywheelbrewing.com. Mm-hmm. There's a website there. And uh, also, uh, they can head uh, to your social media. Uh, you have a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Flywheel Brewing. Yep. You guys post a lot of stuff on Pretty there. much all our events are, are really done, you know, through our either our webpage or Facebook. Um, it's just easier that way. You reach more people right now on Facebook. So if, if you ever have an, a question about an event, it's probably going to be on Facebook. So yeah. Also have an Instagram mm-hmm. uh, at Flywheel Beer, and it's also at Flywheel Brewing. I mean, there were like two of them there, I think. It's very interesting. Yeah. But uh, that's okay. You can do that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you do not have a MySpace page, which I think makes you cool. Uh, because Tom invited us, but we just decided right. not to. He didn't to. want to be his friend. No. He yeah. just wanted a beer is what yeah. he wanted. Yeah. All right, Aaron, good to see you, man. Yeah. Thank Thanks you for at- sharing your story. Thanks for having us on. Uh, you are uh, one of the things that power the heartland, and that's kind of what Kentucky's Heartland is all about. So uh, we'll have that information linked as well on our website at kentuckysheartland.com. Invite you down to see him again, 218 South Mulberry. Uh, and you know it's a legit place when it's right next to the police station. That's right. People ask us all the time, aren't you concerned about being close to the police station? It's like, no, no. We've used them more than they've, they've heard us. Yeah. You know, we've had to call them a few times. They come over and they, they solve any issues. And in fact, you know, when they're off duty, they kind of hang out too. So. Not a bad deal. They're good neighbors. All right. Flywheel Brewing Company, one of the things that powers the heartland. It is uh, Greg Milby. This is Aaron Hawkins. Thanks for watching. Please consider rating, reviewing, subscribing to, and sharing with your friends on social media. If you have an idea we should feature, please feel free to email me, greg at teamhcc.com. This is Greg Milby, Community Storyteller. Thanks for listening to the Kentucky's Heartland Podcast.